Um, good evening, everyone. Good to be back here with you. And isn't it good that Dology um, at the pub's back going again? And it's rather, rather lovely that we can we can be gathering again for this. So, um, Vincent, Kathy, and Father Nathan, thanks for uh, all the uh, pulling together, making this happen all the time. So, much appreciated. How about you say thanks to them, folks? So I was given this task of uh, speaking a little bit about St. Joseph tonight, so I'll do that uh, and then there's going to be a little short break and then there's Q&A and you can ask anything. Um, for those of you who have been at the sessions with me before, you, you know my basic policy, which is you can ask me any question about anything, um, just do it nicely. That's the way to do it. Okay. Uh, so I've, I've broken my little talk up into uh, three parts. I want to first talk about St. Joseph in popular piety. And then I'll speak about St. Joseph in the various characteristics he has. And finally, why St. Joseph and COVID and the connection for us. Uh, just noting without gloating, um, we got it right a year before the Pope. <laughs> Melbourne, we're ahead, we're ahead, we're always ahead. Okay, so in, in terms of um, talking about St. Joseph in popular piety, I want to just begin by talking about how particular saints generally kind of wax and wane in, in popularity. When I was growing up, and those of you, any, I don't think there's anyone in the room is my generation, <laughs> I'm feeling so old, um, uh, the... Um, but when I was growing up, there were two saints, particularly in the Australian popular culture, that were really important. St. Teresa of Lisieux, the little flower, and St. Francis Xavier. And why those two? Because Francis Xavier and Teresa of Lisieux were uh, the patrons of Australia in our missionary times. Um, we, we were originally known as a missionary country in Australia, and uh, you would know St. Francis Xavier as being the, the first, one of the great missionaries who went out into kind of our part of the world, our quarter of the world, into Asia, uh, and particularly Southeast Asia, and a bit of a sweep from uh, India, Indonesia, Japan, China, sort of sweep of, of that. And Teresa Lisieux, who never left her her uh, Carmel in, um, in France, but wanted always to be a missionary. And she actually became known as one of the patrons of missionary countries. Um, and so in our own history in Australia, St. Teresa Lisieux, St. Francis Xavier. If you think about particularly our older churches, I bet you there's statues of those two saints in them. Particularly Teresa Lisieux was extraordinarily popular. Um, uh, in, in the life of the, the kind of the popular piety of God's people in, in our country. There's a, a slight waning for both of them, I think, at the moment. I, I don't hear so much of Teresa Lisieux anymore, sadly. Um, we don't hear much about Francis Xavier mentioned, but other saints come into popular, um, into our, our minds and, and and uh, our thinking. Um, you know, you think of, of John Paul II as a saint. You think of uh, uh, Teresa of Calcutta. You think of um, uh, Barquita, 
uh, Saint Baikita is, is is examples of saints who have become a bit more popular. Uh, so every generation has their own particular saints. I make mention of all of that because Saint Joseph, you might think, has been popular from the beginning, but he wasn't. He actually wasn't. And in fact, uh, in the, in the early church, he seems beyond the Bible references. He, he really wasn't all that much uh, looked to as one of the saints until about the 800s. So, you know, eight centuries went by before people, God's people, started going, hey, St. Joseph, yeah, great saint. And so um, I, I think that's kind of worthwhile remembering. Uh, and we might ask ourselves a question later on as to why that might have been the case. Um, but anyway, uh, Joseph started to become more popular in, in prayer and in devotions around the uh, 9th century. And he had a really particular growth during the 15th century. So um, a, a period that was just before the Reformation time, 16th century was the Reformation, so 15th century, 1400s, he, there was a really a, a very big increase in popular piety. And it's at that time that you start to see statues and artworks that feature St. Joseph. Here's an example of uh, what I mean. You try and think of an early image of the Holy Family. In fact, most of the artworks that might have featured Mary and Jesus as a baby would have normally featured Elizabeth and John the Baptist, but not Joseph. Interestingly, that didn't come until later on. Um, so something that we're quite used to today wasn't always like that. Um, images of the Holy Family. So, kind of study, the theological study and understanding and appreciation of, of Joseph is a kind of relatively recent thing in the longer history of the life of the church. Uh, and it's just worth noting that. In particular, it's been over the last um, 150 or so years that Joseph's really come into his own as uh, one of the great saints of the church. That started with um, Pope Pius IX in 1870, when he declared uh, St. Joseph patron of the universal church. So if you think of the church as, um, uh, think of it, it is the body of Christ. You think of St. Joseph as the great protector, guardian, patron of uh, Christ. How appropriate then he should he, that he might be the patron, the universal patron, or the patron of the universal church, guardian of the universal body of Christ. Um, so that was Pius IX in 1870. Um, another significant date that we should be uh, remembering is um, his actual feast day, which is the 19th of March. I'm going to come back to the 19th of March later on. Um, but at the moment, I want to mention the feast day that we associate with Joseph also, which is on the 1st of May, which is uh, St. Joseph the Worker. And that one was established by Pius XII um, in the early 20th century. And that, he established that as a kind of a counter to the rise in the communists' May Day celebrations. 
a lot of you are perhaps too young, but you might, although you, you would know it perhaps of images even today coming out of China or North Korea or something, where they had those really major military marches. You know, they show off all their bombs and everything, terrible stuff. Um, uh, that's associated with May Day marches that came out of the communist ideology. Um, and Pius XII wanted to counter that. And so he established the 1st of May as the feast day of St. Joseph the Worker. And even today, so there, there, some of you here might have been on a, um, a justice march on the 1st of May, you know, when you were at school or something like that. Um, so that's a picking up of that sense of giving the 1st of May a different meaning and a better meaning. Um, so that was there. John the 23rd was the one who introduced St. Joseph into the divine praises at, um, you know, at the adoration of Blessed Eucharist, uh, Blessed God, Blessed Holy Name, Blessed Christ we want to remember. Blessed St. Joseph, spouse, I can't remember the exact words off the top of my head at the moment. Um, uh, uh, that was St. John the 23rd in the late 1950s early 60s, I can't remember exactly the date that he did it, but um, when, he was, when he was Pope. And then, most recently, it was actually Pope Francis who introduced St. Joseph into the Eucharistic prayer that is said at Mass every time we celebrate Mass, the Eucharistic prayer. St. Joseph used to be mentioned only in the first, known as the Roman Canon, uh, but uh, Pope Francis uh, directed that St. Joseph be mentioned in every Eucharistic prayer. Um, so we go, Mary, Mother of God, Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Remember that phrasing? That's five years old. It's only that recent. Maybe even less, I can't remember. Some, sometime in Francis's time as, as Pope. Why I mention all this is, you see how there's been a bit of a, over a long period of time, a kind of a greater and deeper appreciation of St. Joseph in the life of the church. And uh, I think that's worthwhile uh, just us noting um, today. And that the more recent popes have been really instrumental in that. It's not something that goes back deep, deep, deep in, into the past of, of the history of the church, but our, our more recent popes have been particularly um, uh, strong on seeing the place of St. Joseph in the life of that church. We might ask the question, why has this been the case? Why was there not a great um, uh, sort of outpouring of love and devotion to St. Joseph right from the beginning? I think part of that is goes to the heart of who St. Joseph is. And that's my second point tonight. I want to talk about what I would describe St. Joseph as the saint next door. The saint next door. What do I mean by that? Um, we don't know anything at all that St. Joseph said. Because the Bible mentions nothing about anything that St. Joseph actually said. He was a very quiet saint. But we know him by what he did. So a saint who said nothing, no recorded words of him, but we have those stories in the early life and the nativity and early life of Jesus that we know of St. Joseph. 
And perhaps it's, and it could be said that, that there was nothing uh, kind of extraordinary. You know, St. Joseph wasn't a martyr. He didn't write some famous doctrine or teaching or anything. He, um, he didn't, in a sense, do something extraordinary where we look at and go, wow, look at that, what he did. Um, there's no, not those sorts of things about St. Joseph. What we have about St. Joseph is a, um, that sense of being the saint next door. There's the, there's the saintliness of his ordinariness. That's really important. And I want to read to you some words that um, St. Uh, Paul VI, uh, Pope Paul VI wrote about St. Joseph in this regard. And so St. Paul VI wrote this. Um, St. Joseph is the model of those humble ones that Christianity raises up to great destinies. He is proof that in order to be a good and genuine follower of Christ, there is no need for great things. It is enough to have the common, simple and human virtues, but they need to be true and authentic. That's a pretty good description of St. Joseph as we know him from the Bible. If you think of some of his characteristics, he was a father, as we know, to Jesus, stepfather to Jesus. He was a husband, a loving husband to his wife Mary. He was a guardian to them both and to others. He was a steward of God's gifts that he'd been given and the proper use of those. He was a teacher to his son, stepson, and, and to others. He was a worker providing for his family. And he was a faithful follower of God, trusting in what God would uh, have as providence for him. So all of those things can indeed be described of lots of us here. Now, there's some here that are, that are fathers or fathers-to-be, husbands, and for women, think about wives, uh, mothers. How many of us are perhaps guardians to godchildren, for instance, or others in our family? Stewards and teachers. Just about all of you here are workers, earning, earning a, you know, you, 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 your money that you need to be able to live, and being faithful to the Lord in all of that. So St. Joseph is really your saint in that regard. He hasn't done anything extraordinary that we might look at and go, wow, but yeah, ain't for me. He's a saint in all those ordinary things that are a part of our lives, but done as uh, St. John, uh, Saint, uh, Paul VI put it, done to be true and authentic. As I said earlier, he's a saint who said nothing but did plenty. And I just want to draw out two senses of that, that that I think go to this saint next door kind of image of, of Joseph. He knew difficulty. And he knew difficulty in all sorts of ways. The first one is, uh, a, I think, a quite a profound one. He knew the difficulty of knowing that his wife-to-be was pregnant for someone else. 
and yet still accepting her. I think that's, you know, think of that if you were in that situation. Just what that would mean. And yet, here he was, this beautiful man who uh, listened to the Lord in dreams. Funny enough, we only know about Joseph in dreams. Extraordinary. Go to the Bible and have a look. Uh, we know him in dreams. Uh, he was quite a dreamer of our Saint Joseph, um, and he and he, he listened to his dreams. Interesting. Anyway, so he knew, knew that sense of difficulty of Mary coming to him and saying, "I'm his child," and him knowing that this was not his child, and yet trusting in her, trusting in what God through his dreams had said to him. Another one of those sense of great difficulty that he lived was um, at the time of the birth of Jesus and the need for him to get take his family out of um, Bethlehem and out of Judea and to go off to Egypt uh, for the safety of, of the child Jesus. And think of that. Some of you, I've already talked to a couple of you here tonight, and some of you, this is your experience having to come to a foreign country with a foreign language, with foreign customs, and so on, and try to find work. That's Joseph's reality. He needed to look after his family. He's in Egypt. Foreign country, foreign language, foreign culture. And, um, and, and the need to the difficulties that are, might be associated with all of that, of, of being a, um, something of a refugee family and uh, finding his way and for his family and the support and care of his family for those years that the Holy Family spent in Egypt. We don't know the details of it, but you know that, they, that, that period of time. So there's a couple of things where St. Joseph knew difficulty but lived them through in the way of the Lord. Another thing that I think is really um, uh, touches me at least uh, about him is that he also knew heart pain. Think of the time when Jesus was, uh, well, well, for Mary and Joseph, they'd lost Jesus in Jerusalem for a few days. They'd gone up there for the festivals and, um, and they're on their way back. Uh, to Nazareth, and they find that Jesus is not with them in the in the you know the travelling company. They go back into Jerusalem to try and find him. Eventually, they find him at the temple, um, answering questions of all the learned people. And Jesus goes to, you know, Mary says, you know, your father and I have been really worried about you. And Jesus goes with one of those enigmatic answers that he became particularly fond of. Um, you know, didn't you expect me to be about my father's business? Imagine how Joseph heard that. Who had been his stepfather all those 30 years. Oh no, sorry, it wasn't that long, sorry. 12 years. Sorry, got that wrong, didn't I? Um, 12 years is enough. Um, um, imagine how that would have, the heartache that that would have been for him. He knew of the reality of, of this one that he had taken on as his son. But those words would have, you know, 
cut him to the heart, I imagine. Um, and yet he was this beautiful, beautiful saint who knew the reality of the situation of the son that he had taken on um, and allowed for that his son to live out his mission. Um, so th that sense of Joseph knowing deep heartache, I think, is a both a poignant and very important um, feature of this great saint who was the saint next door, if you like, in his ordinariness, but in his beauty. Finally, I just want to say, how did, how did it come about that um, St. Joseph uh, ended up being the saint for Melbourne through our lockdown year last year? And it, it came to me at, a, at, a, at the time that it was the, the day before we actually entered into the first lockdown. Remember the joy of the first lockdown. We go, whoa, what's this all going to be like? <laughs> we got over that fairly quickly. <laughs> um, but at that moment, I realised that, that, I think that was my moment when I realised that, that um, this was not something that was going to be short term. This was not going to be something we'll get through and you know, get on with our, our lives pretty quickly. And, and in a call it a moment of God's providence. Um, it was just at the time of Joseph's feast day um, and so I just decided let's um, ask for St. Joseph's uh, protection throughout this time that we were entering into. And I'm, and I'm doing so at that moment not knowing what's going to come. Um, we all know what happened consequently. Uh, and uh, but, but at that moment, I just it was touched in my heart to um, seek Saint Joseph as as in a sense our patron through the lockdowns um, and through COVID, and that now extends into this year that we're in now with the um, uh, with Pope Francis announcing that the, the, the this year of Saint Joseph. Um, and uh, I just thought that, that at that time, um, a little over a year ago now, that uh, let's, let's ask St. Joseph to be with us um, in our own circumstances. Has he been with us? Um, absolutely. Can you imagine how worse it could have got? And did Certainly got bad at points. Could have got a lot, 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 lot worse. And may St. Joseph especially be with our brothers and sisters in India, in Brazil, and some other countries in the world at the moment that are just being so badly hit um, by this pandemic. Um, so uh, I might just finish with a, a, a little image that um, Pope Francis has uh, brought to the world, if you like, and that's the image of the sleeping St. Joseph. Have any of you seen that? Anyone come a few, couple of you put your hands up? Yeah, a few of you heard of this. So, so there's this um, image that goes back to uh, the um, Renaissance time of a, a reclining, sleeping St. Joseph at the Nativity. So poor Mary, just given birth, 
she's, she's having a fight on, and, and Joe's down there sleeping next to her, you know, this is good luck. <laughs> oh, that pregnancy was so hard. Um, no, more seriously though, there, I think there is a beauty in that image for all of us. Because it was in sleep, in dream, that St. Joseph is the one that we know. In his dreams where God speaks to him and uh, he listens and he trusts. So there's, a, there's a, I think, a, a real beauty of the, in, in the image of the sleeping Joseph. Because he's a man who would want to trust in God and do so in that way that would allow him to then wake and do. As we know, he didn't say anything. He woke up and did things. Um, and that's a good thing. St. Joseph, pray, pray for us. Enjoy your break and we'll come back for Q&A.